Hello and welcome to the AVA Movement Podcast, a show about all things angels and airwaves, to the stars, and Tom DeLong. My name is Adam Barnard, and today I'll be dropping by really quickly to give a little bit of a podcast update and then pass the microphone over to Joe Tucson for his track-by-track breakdown of the Lifeforms album with producer Aaron Rubin. So as you've probably noticed, uh, the podcast has been dormant for a little while. Um, I'm going to go ahead and step up and take complete responsibility for that. Uh, but I really have been you know, very appreciative to see a lot of comments on social media, on our Facebook, on our Instagram, on our Twitter, asking about the podcast and where it's gone. Um, I don't think we've actually answered any of those questions, mostly because I, I didn't quite know what to say at the time. But uh, you know, ever since the pandemic happened and, and life has happened very quickly and very fast, uh, I just haven't had quite had time to put together podcast episodes and they do require a bit of scheduling and the way we produce them we edit them pretty uh, heavily just to tighten things up and make for the most engaging listening experience possible so because of that I just really haven't had much time or emotional energy to track the movements and track all that's been happening with a band in the last year um, you know, 2020 things were kind of slow with Angels and Airwaves. I think we covered, you know, the All That's Left is Love single and music video and the second season of Unidentified. And then there was, you know, still several months where not much was coming out from Tom's camp. Um, but then when Euphoria came out and, you know, the song and the music video and the singles started dropping left, right and center, uh, I just kind of found myself swept up in, in some other life stuff and health issues. And so I haven't been able to really maintain the podcast and, and provide the coverage. I would have loved to uh, produce um, because this has been a really, really special album cycle in terms of, you know, Tom's vision for the music and all the music videos that have come out. And, you know, there's a feature film coming up, potentially a deluxe version of the record. So there's lots of exciting stuff. Um, at the moment, I'm not sure when the podcast will quite restart again. We're hoping to still sit down and do a proper fan review and discussion of life forms, but I'm still not sure when we're going to be able to sit down and do that. Uh, but in the meantime, we were very fortunate to have Joe Tucson, who is a uh, prior co-host on the AVA Movement podcast for a few episodes, uh, reach out to us and said love to interview Aaron Rubin and talk to him about his work on the Lifeforms album and you know his experience producing it and, and going track by track and, and kind of really getting into the nitty gritty of his experience and kind of getting a peek behind the curtain at the record making process. And so, you know, we were totally game for that and he found the video software to do the interview and he kind of produced the whole thing and we partnered with him to provide support and work with him through that process. So what came out of that was a really cool video interview that we have at the AVA Movement channel on YouTube. Um, But I felt it would be a great opportunity to put another podcast episode out there on the feed. So what we're going to play here is the audio from that interview just put into podcast form in case you want to, you know, listen to it on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and don't have to be on YouTube or save your place on YouTube. Um, But if you also want to see the video version and and see Joe and Aaron sit down and talk and see their wonderful faces, you can also do that on our YouTube channel um, and also on Joe Tucson's personal channel. So without further ado, here's Joe Tucson's sit down with Angels and Airways engineer, producer, and co-writer Aaron Rubin to sit down and go track by track on the new AVA record, Lifeforms. All right. What's up, everyone? Uh, my name is Joe Tucson, and I'm super excited to sit down and chat with Angels and Airwaves producer extraordinaire, Aaron Rubin. We're going to take a track by track dive into their new album, Lifeforms, which came out on September 24th. So if you haven't already, go check that out. Uh, Aaron, thanks again for joining me today. And just first of off, first off, how are you doing? 
Are you enjoying your time uh, with the crew away out on tour? Uh, do you get to relax a little bit or is it just uh, business as usual for you? No, it's business as usual. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here um, doing uh, – somebody always bugs me for something while they're on the road. Like, hey, we need this. We need that. I right. want to do this song. Send over this. And um, I'm also scoring um, Tom's mm. movie, Monsters of California. Yeah, nice. So we've been getting that all set up and passing around sessions between me and Elon and nice. all that stuff. So never, I don't think I've had a moment to myself, uh, even though I was like, once they're gone, I'm going to be able to yeah, do yeah. a lot more. Well, so. yeah, uh, kind of figured that I saw Elon just came out with a new song too that you mixed. So um, that sounds great. Really excited to hear yeah. what he's coming out with. Um, Totally different from Angels, of course, but that's that's what I love about it. So, um, yeah. With that being said, well, I think we'll just hop right in. Um, so, like I said before, this is kind of a, a track by track breakdown or discussion, um, just to kind of see how these songs came to fruition. And you know, this this album is so unique in itself, and we'll get into that with with all the sounds are are very different from song to song. So I'm I'm. Uh, personally as well, just dying to know how this, how this stuff came to be. So um, with that, I think we'll just jump into time bomb. So I, I guess my first question on that is, uh, so I don't know if it's like all bands or just like Tom fans have always been pretty like particular and aware of, of what the opener is on an album, whether mm -hmm. that's from, you know, the blink days and the angels, it, it always seems to be a, a topic of excitement. So I guess, uh, what went into choosing an opener to kind of set the tone for life forms and what in your opinion makes time bomb like a great opener for this album in particular? Well, this is actually one of the few point of contentions okay. me and Tom had because originally I was like, when are we going to get together to do the sequence and this and that? And he's like, Oh, it's done already. I already sent it off to, this and that, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> yeah, hold wait, on. wait, wait, <laughs> wait, I mean, we got to discuss this. He goes, no, I, I, I like it. And I think we ended up changing two things, but I thought the album should have started with Restless Souls. Hmm. It just sounds like something like that you would have put on and it would have been like, whoa, what's this? Yeah. You know, and... That song particularly has a lot of new directions, if you will, but I think it's also probably the closest thing that you would have to maybe past um, Angel's sure. track. You're talking about Restless you know, Souls. Restless Souls. Yeah, yeah. But um, Tom was like, no, time bomb, time bomb, time bomb. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay. Well, whatever. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to win them all, and I shouldn't win them all. Yeah. So cool. um, I was like, all right, fine. I'm not going to, you know, whatever. Maybe I'm just too close to this thing. And yeah, you know, you're, you're always wondering, like, is this thing even good? Right, <laughs> like, right. Especially yeah. after, like, you know, working on this thing for three years. Like, you get used now, to it. Won't, I won't yeah. say we've been working on all these same songs for three years. I mean, 
time bomb probably came down the pike after the last angels tour. Okay. The one in the fall. And yeah, then, there's one fall and then I, I want to say like, no, that was yeah, it. There was December. supposed to be other dates, but yeah, true. Yeah. Tom's voice went out and then we rescheduled and yep. then COVID. Sure. And then at COVID for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. So, so, um, I think Tom was really exhilarated and motivated by the live show and, you know, being back in front of a crowd mm-hmm. and all of the lights and all that stuff. And Tom's a very like visceral person. It's all about a mood, a feeling, sure. like whatnot. So it's an experience. He wanted no. he wanted to write something that he's like, I wanna write something that like starts at the festival and it's and it's sure. just like crazy lights and like people just start like getting into it, like something that's just like really um, yeah. tantalizing and just gets you in, in a groove, sure. almost like in a trance. And um, then just kind of like goes off into, you know, something else that we may, may have done, but just something that's just like, whatever. Yeah. So that it kind of just started with the intro and that's about as far as we got for like the first couple of days was just putting that intro together, um, mm-hmm. rewriting the words, um, just figuring out what it was going to be. And I'm like, okay, so we're about, you know, 40 seconds into the song. Like now, what are we, <laughs> going, where are we going? What are we doing? Yeah. I actually had a, that kind of goes on. A, one of my other questions is, is the lyrics, um, on this, on this song particularly is, Probably one of my favorite lyrics on the album is that revenge, that part where he says revenge doesn't work if we're laughing. I feel like that would make like a great t-shirt. <laughs> uh, but it's just one of those lyrics that really stood out to me in, in this song. Do, do those kind of constantly evolve as a song evolves instrumentally? Or is it like he's got a pretty good idea and you have a pretty good idea of what's going to sound. And it's just a matter of lay- layering on the, the lyrics or does it kind of take a different tone sometimes where uh, a, a lyric may change? So now we kind of want to change the sound as well. Lyrics are always changing. Okay. So, I mean, we'll have like, usually what he'll do is he'll write a verse, a pre-chorus, if there's a pre-chorus and a chorus. And then we'll just kind of like, for the time being, just pull the first chorus for, I mean, first um, verse lyrics and put them in the second verse and just kind of yeah. see how the whole, you know, to the point where we can have a whole full structure and we try to get it as far as we can. And then once we're good with the structure of the song, the feel of the song, everything, then we start jumping into, you know, rewriting more lyrics yeah. or, but because this album took so long, a lot of the lyrics ended up getting rewritten yeah over and over and over and over and it's not because of there's just some things you sometimes write and you think they're clever and then after a month or two you're just kind of like that's as cool as i thought it would be (laughs) or yeah or oh my god this would be way better if we did if we said this or whatnot and lyrics are pretty much tom's Right. All Tom. I mean, you're not like, Hey, what about this word or something? Well, so he'll come up with all the lyrics and then 
I don't ask for a lyric sheet. I don't ask for anything. Like mm-hmm. I want to be surprised. I don't want to be reading along while he's singing and whatnot. Yeah. And sometimes I'll be like, wait, what are you saying here? <laughs> and, it's, and it's like, okay, well, that's not what it sounds like. Yeah. So we got to like, work on that. Yeah. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> but, um, I really get involved in the lyrics when something's not singing well, like mm. if it just kind of sounds jumbled or it, rhythmically it sounds weird, you know, you know, offer some sort of change there and sure. we work, work well there. And the only thing about lyrics with me is lyrics are so subjective. So it's like, who's to right. say? What you might think is great, I might think is like, all right, fine. It's yeah. not that big of a deal, yeah. you know? But I definitely do voice my opinion when I hear a lyric that's like, uh-uh. Doesn't fit. Like, yeah. That, no, that's just like, that's not cool. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just sounds so, it's too on the nose or yeah. whatever. And, you know, then we get into discussion of like, all right, well, what do you think it should be? And it's yeah. like, we both See sit where down you're coming from. And, and we both just start spitballing and be like, sure. blah, 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 blah. And he'll be like, okay. Ooh, yeah. I didn't think about that. Well, <laughs> now that I, now that I hear that, what if we do da, 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 Yeah. And it kind of just evolves. Cool. In um, that sort of sense. Yeah. That's super cool. Um, another thing in time on too is Elon's vocals, um, are, seem more prevalent in kind of the uh, background, uh, you know, his background vocals when he's singing there. Um, in, in even the overall album, I feel like we, we hear a lot more of a lawn in the background and singing backing vocals. Would, would you agree that this is more prevalent on this album than, uh, the Dreamwalker? And, and was that something you guys kind of, uh, almost premeditated coming into the album or did it just work out that way that like, Hey, this, this sounds really good. Having a fuller, um, kind of backing vocal to harmonize with Tom. No, um, Elon did most of the backing vocals and harmonies and stuff on the Dreamwalker. Okay. Too. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. For, for that, whatever that's reason, people are like, one. Oh my God, like yeah. Elon, Elon. And it's like, He's I mean, the there. harmonies might be <laughs> more up in the mix. Sure. Maybe that's what it it, is. But it's really weird. Um, There are Elon and Tom's voice, even though they're very distinctly different, they blend in a very interesting way Mm -hmm. where sometimes you can't even tell. Yeah. You really got to listen. Yeah. Because I I can never tell. I always thought like the go at the end of, at the end of um, Kiss and Tell. That's just like, it cuts off and it just ends on let her go. Yeah. That to me sounds like Elon, but it's Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I assume just on Tom. that one word. I'm yeah, like. Right. Yeah. It's hard to tell if it's Elon or if it's Tom pitch tire. Right. That's, that's why I'm always like, is it? Yeah. No, I'll, I'll never pitched. I'll, I'll never pitch them up. Okay. Or do any sort of like their voice is their voice. So sure. it's like, let them, let them be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, but no, I mean, that's one of Elon's, Elon's strong suits is oh, yeah. his able, his, his ability to harmonize and come up with parts 
and hear different melodies, especially different mm. melodies to what Tom is, um, yeah. you know, usually comes up with. So I think that's where things do get interesting. And I think Tom has completely embraced that, you know, Tom has been like, now we're going to be kind of jumping along to stuff, but euphoria, like, well, that was the next like, song. So yeah, yeah. Segue. Tom was like, I want like these big, like, queen harmonies like in the yeah. verses like emphasizing like the last word so it's like all right Elon, time to go stack you know yeah so 16 or 24 tracks <laughs> yeah right it, yeah it sounds great i love the the fullness of it um so on euphoria speaking of that song uh that's probably my favorite song on the whole album uh it's a cool. top angel song for me ever honestly um awesome and i thought maybe it was just when it first came out, I was, I was really excited about it, but the more I listen to it, it, it keeps getting better and better. It's not, it's not one that kind of flashed early and then dies off. I, I enjoy it more and more. Um, so that, that intro I think has that kind of unmistakable, uh, rush, uh, kind of spacey synth going on was, was that, uh, a nod to that era and maybe even that band or was just, that just a sound he was looking for that kind of spacey, um, not, not, not so much the, um, the intro, but it's when it goes down and then, and then, don't, don't, don't be. Yeah. 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 That's what I meant. It's yeah, like Tom kinda... is like, I don't know that the only song I think Tom knows of rush is okay. Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always like, we need that Tom Sawyer, like, yeah, filter synth. And, yeah. Yeah. So he always wants that. So oddly enough, the, 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 uh, rough title for Euphoria was No Rush. Oh, like, funny. And I don't know why the no was there. Yeah. Maybe, oh, maybe, I don't know. I, I just sometimes make titles that are just like, okay, it's not Rush. Okay. No Rush. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Funny. So, but but yeah, it's funny because I I feel like he's used that in so many like I feel on neighborhoods, mm-hmm. um, the, whatever that first single was from neighborhoods. Yeah. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After midnight. Yeah. No, no, the one before. Oh, yeah. But whatever. I know what you're talking. Um, and then there was also one on um, on the Dreamwalker that had that same like vibe thing going on so it was like okay so the intro not so much tom is like loves intros like i i don't know what it is about i they used to sometimes be really think, long <laughs> no <laughs> i know but long. i think i think what happens is like he's like let's record i'm like okay so i like walk into the studio and i'm like all right what are we doing he's like i don't know let's just start yeah, throwing stuff into the air, which usually ends up becoming like some sort of an intro, you right. know, and then like that intro inspires him for the rest yeah. of the song. It's kind of U2 esque in a sense that kind of, well, at least the older ones, those long intros with the delay and all that. Um, yeah. Kind of. Uh, so, but, um, but yeah, I mean, so we just built that and then he wanted. Uh, he wanted something that was kind of a nod to boxcar racer. And yeah. that's kind of where the, um, the main riff comes that from. Kind of grittiness. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, okay, let's go from like this smaller electronic mm-hmm. um, thing and go into this 
huge guitars and heavy big drums and whatnot. Yeah. The the verse and the chorus honestly could be two different songs, which as a producer and uh that must be somewhat difficult to mesh together. I think it works really great. Is is it difficult to do that when it's kind of a, a very different sounding verse towards the chorus? Well, this song in particular was one of those songs where we maybe had three or four different versions of the chorus. Like, mm. and I'm talking like completely different stylistically at one point, the pre-chorus he came in with the the pre-chorus he's like oh this is the new chorus i'm like that's not a chorus that to me sounds like yeah i feel like the chorus the chorus now almost could be a pre-chorus as well don't you think it would be way too long yeah yeah (laughs) that was a pre-chorus but i I was just kind of like but it kind of shocked me because like when he came in with the pre-chorus chords i was like that is a lot of people may have think like, oh, I hear a lot of Elon influence on this. And it's yeah, like, yeah. no, that was actually Tom. Sure. And it was a shocker. And I then, you know, to me, it kind of felt like the first thing I heard when he kind of came in with those things was um, Led Zeppelin's Cashmere. And mm. so I was like, oh, let me throw these like uh, Mellotron strings on there. Mm. And then we kind of like built that out. And I'm like, yeah, but it still needs to go into something else. So we yeah. started writing one version of the chorus. It wasn't doing it. Another version of the chorus it wasn't doing it. And then we landed on this chorus and he's like, what if just everything disappears? Like, it's just yeah. like a wall of synths and this and that. So we completely <laughs> took out drums and everything. Yeah. And then the vocal melody was there. I'm like, well, I, I don't, I don't think it's a matter of taking out the drums. I just think it's a matter of maybe like making them a little bit more sporadic. Mm-hmm. You know? So then that whole thing developed and we were like, great, we got it. And then we had the, the, the third chorus was kind of the same thing as, as the other two choruses. And then he was just like, what if we just went like up tempo, like double tempo? Yeah, I was going like, to ask you, know you about what? that. That's actually, that's actually, I think that'd be kind of cool. So good, man. That's probably what makes it for me, honestly, because it has that build up, And then when you hit that last uh, chorus, it's like everything, you get the whole song at once. And it just, it was, right. it really came through hard. That was that was my favorite part about it. So yeah, I was going to ask about yeah. that too. And that's part of like what I was going back towards is like when, you know, we're, we're literally writing the song, like a lot of the, when we do angels albums, there's stuff that sticks on there from like the demo portion yeah. of like, we were just writing it like that just mm-hmm. happened. We will keep it. <laughs> I don't care if it's a sound, a it's good, certain it's good. guitar part. Yeah. Like, so when we're recording, like, we keep everything. But that being said, there's also times where you're going and, you know, you're copying and pasting parts of the song throughout mm-hmm. just so that you can kind of get the semblance of like, what does it need? And right. then my, my job. And one thing I like to do is like, okay, what sets verse one apart from verse two, what sets chorus one apart from chorus two. And right. you know, so that there's, there's always something 
new coming in and something extra. Yeah. So, cause there, there are a ton of people that will just sit there and copy and paste like the same exact vocal, the same exact melody, this and that. Um, I I think we're a little bit more conscious about that this time around. Like, okay, let's move forward. I think it definitely came through on these songs. It's like, like I said, it's, it's kind of this ride that like, even if you, I watched some of like the, um, reaction videos on YouTube and they're like, okay, where's this going? Where's it going to go? What's next? And it's like, you don't know. And that's what makes it so fun. But, um, on euphoria too, I, I know Tom had once mentioned like the topic of it kind of touches on like toxic masculinity, which I didn't catch at first, but then listening back, like makes a ton of sense. I, did you kind of know the topic of the song going into it or, or is that just, again, with the lyrics all kind of his on, on his side and, and the music stands alone with what you're trying to do with it? Um, I didn't get like, I don't think Tom kind of knows okay. <laughs> like what, where things are going until they're there. And then he's, he's just like, it's almost like he just like vomits onto a page. Sure. Like, so it's not like, hey, I want this topic, so I need it to kind of sound strong and powerful. It's none of yeah, that. Yeah, well, really. it's just like he'll have like one line or two line, and then he'll go, you know, sometimes those first lines come out almost subconsciously in a way. It's mm. whatever the make, mm-hmm. the music makes you want to make you feel or however, what mood he's in when he when he gets in. And so it's like, we, you know, that song was probably the third song that we kind of started working on. So we had Rebel Girl, which was kind of like cutesy. Then, mm-hmm. you know, we went to Kiss and Tell, and then we went to this. I'm just like, oh, my God, all these songs are about girls. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I get it, dude. You're, in, <laughs> you know, you're in love again. I get it. Yeah, but, yeah. And so, and so I thought, like this was him kind of like being flirty, like yeah, yeah, get yeah. on your knees. We're going to play right. tonight. That's I'm, how I took it at first. I was like, this is kind of like a sexual song, you know? It's like, yeah. And I'm like, and I don't think it was until he got into the, to writing that chorus when we actually got it, that we were, mm-hmm. that things kind of clicked. And then it was a matter of going back yeah. and changing other lines here and there to kind of like fit. Right. So it's like, it's it's this ongoing process where you you don't know what you have until you're able to like kind of hear right hear it like, back yeah this would make and, a lot of and, sense and, yeah yeah and then you go back and you start sure. tweaking stuff and and whatnot but I I, well, th- I, think, I thought it was a very interesting point of view yeah. and I think especially in kind of the culture that we're right. in right now where it's like I'm like. I'm like, can you really just say, like, get on your knees, we're going to play tonight? Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, is that cool? Are people going to be toned bummed on in you? today's culture, right? Like, Yeah, be... like, and I mean, Tom comes from, like, well, yeah. I mean, I don't even know how Blink-182 would have, like, functioned. Like, yeah, 2000... I've had discussions with people about that. I'm not sure how that would have gone in today's day yeah. and age. And I mean, we still have, like, he still has that sense of humor. Sure. But, you know, but yeah. it's about being, like, more aware of, like, all right, maybe, you know. Like the VMAs are, like, when they super... brought up, like, 50 little people. Little people. Yes, little yeah. people. I don't think that would have flown today. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, 
Um, so getting into Spellbound, um, again, just a complete 180, right, from the, from the prior song. Yeah. Um, and really the first two songs. So how did, how did this one kind of come to fruition? And as you're producing it, writing it, did you realize it would kind of be a gamble to put a song like this on the album, much less the first three tracks, because it's kind of that, you know, to kind of give the listener that broad of a taste immediately, was that kind of discussed or as, as maybe a gamble or was that something you guys knew, like, this is gonna, this is gonna be awesome. And here's how it's going to go. <laughs> Not really, but I will say this. So that song is interesting because when we were doing the scoring for um, Unidentified. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so what ends up happening a lot of times when we're scoring is Tom will be like, this is a feeling. This is a vibe. Mm -hmm. Go do it. I'll come back with something to listen to it and be like, okay, great. Cool. You know, because with the scoring stuff, especially with a TV show or a movie or whatnot, mm -hmm. he's got so many different roles that he can't be everything to everyone. Right. He can't be yeah. the producer, the director, like on mm -hmm. camera, like what's the next, you know, on top of that, the whole business aspect of the whole thing, right. like dealing with the network and all that stuff. Yeah. So he's, we have that relationship where I kind of know where his mind goes and the, the things that he's connected to, the things he likes. I know the things that he doesn't like. Yeah. So it's like. Not, don't even attempt. Well, no, I attempt, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Well, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I have to sometimes like be like, "Come on, we got to move forward." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. got to have your broccoli. Uh. Um, that kind of that kind of a thing. Um, so I was off at my studio here, and I, you know, it was a very interesting experience scoring. And at that point, because it was just a matter of like, do what you want. There's no box. So we only have to like, kind of like fill out the mood and everything was in the box, meaning that yeah. we do everything like electronically, unless there was like a guitar part or something. And just in case we, mm -hmm. we needed to keep things malleable so that if we wanted to speed it up or, you know, shorten it, this and that, it's not a matter of re-recording all the time. Mm -hmm. So this was a, a thing that I was writing for a specific scene and then it just kind of started, I just kind of keep going and kept going and kept going and kept going. I'm like, yeah. this is not for a score. This is a song. Yeah. It's too so, good to have the yeah, background so, unidentified or something, right? Well, yeah, that's, I was just like, wait, this yeah. is, so <laughs> I, this. so I took this, this video, which I, I've actually posted on my Instagram when Spellbound came out, I'm like, here's, you know, Spellbound's out. Check this out. This was the actual video I sent to Tom on the song. And it's like literally yeah. verbating the, you know, the drums, synths, everything. And um, I'm like, you're welcome. Here's your next yeah. single. And he's like, dude, that's so good. He's like, he's like, let's definitely turn that into a song. And I'm yeah. like, all right, cool. Now, we didn't get started on that song until we were probably seven or eight songs in. 
And it was kind of at a point where we're like, all right, I think we have our up tempo songs. We have our this. It's like we need something that's a little bit more down tempo. Like, mm-hmm. You know, that's that's more chill. And this kind of it doesn't feel to me like it doesn't fit on the record because yeah. no, we've we've hit so many of our influences, whether it be like New Order um, and this to me felt like it'd be in a Depeche mode world. Right. Yeah. I was going to say right? it's definitely that guitar tone is clear Depeche mode, right? Yeah. Kind of hollow echo. Yeah. So we, it didn't feel like a left turn. And then when you came up with the uh, chorus melody, all I did was like we shifted one of the notes down that kind of make gave it like a um a major minor situation and to me i was like that's so cool like it yeah. reminds me of duran duran like yeah yeah like something that would have I, not 80s duran duran but i'm thinking like you know ordinary world like mm-hmm. the stuff that they were kind of doing like on their like second resurgence you yeah. know yeah, and I th- I thought that that was, I'm like th- this is a cool blend like going from here yeah. to there. With and with then the song, the, uh, oh sorry, the Go song ahead. was supposed to be like completely electronic, yeah. and then we sent it off to Elon when we had verse chorus verse chorus pretty much, and he then wrote the bridge. But mm. another thing that he did was ha- he had live drums come in right at the end of the first chorus. Oh, yeah. And I thought, that's awesome. Yeah, that's a super cool fill at the Uh, end there. Yeah, and then that became an internal debate because we had had that song around for probably a month, a month and a half. Mm -hmm. And then we're just like, Oh, if we put like real drums in there, like, is it just going to take away from the electronic vibe of it? And I'm like, not really. I mean, it's like you still have, and Elon was just kind of like, if we don't have the drums come in there, then the song just feels stale. Right. It you gives know? some life just, there. It, at the it's end. such a simple, simple beat that it's mm-hmm. like, it, it needs something to like keep it going. And yeah, I, I think it definitely gave the song a, a bigger groove and yeah. so i think the more people got used to that version it was just kind of like oh yeah, yeah. okay you don't really think we, about def- it. we definitely need it yeah so with with your and Alon's especially background and influences being such like a classic rock um 70s rock 60s where does that kind of aptitude and acumen for electronics come from with you guys is that just from messing around in the studio or is that something you guys learned i mean i know he spent a lot of time with nine inch nails and they're pretty heavy with their industrial sound and that sort of thing is does that come from that at all it just doesn't fit kind of his his influence background yeah so elon started getting into electronics um Oddly, like two months before he got into, before he joined Nine Inch Nails. Oh, funny. Yeah. Good timing. And yeah, it, it was actually like insane timing. 
Yeah. And so I think the biggest leap from Elon's like in terms of Elon, because being his older brother, I've always like, mm-hmm. like you should listen to this, you would love this. Yeah. Um so I think his first leap into like what we would call like modern music mm-hmm. would have been Radiohead. Okay. And so with Radiohead, he was like, I re- you know, these sounds are incredible. Like I, mm-hmm. I want to get into that kind of stuff. I'm like, well, you think this stuff is incredible. Like <laughs> Just you need to check out nine inch nails. So yeah. I started getting him into like nine inch nails and literally two weeks later, no way. And he got the email from Funny. Trent and it's like, well, this is weird. And, that um, kind of snare effect on Spellbone kind of sounds like closer. It's not quite the same tone, but that kind of, um, I just thought that after a couple of times of hearing it, it sounds similar to that kind of same uh, effect that they have on closer. Yeah. It's a little bit there. And that yeah. was probably not I was probably done subconsciously. Okay. Um so I'm sure if you grabbed that from there and then tweaked it a bit or if it was No, just... no, no. <laughs> nope. Uh, um, um that that's not because then you get into a whole other world of legal situations. Oh sure, you yeah, it's not that close. Players. But I mean like no, like you but, said kinda mentally but, but it like, would, oh that's that, kinda cool. Like, yeah, that honestly wasn't even the intention. I, I think what ended just happening is that I wanted it, it's pro, it's probably it's a sample from a drum machine, and it's just like yeah. compressed, and I just compressed it and you know made it into a one sure. shot, and then it's it's done. Yeah, it's it's one that I had made a while back when I was producing some stuff for somebody else and I was, okay. and we never ended up using it or I don't know what happened. Yeah. Oh, so I just kind of had it. So I was just like, okay, cool. We, yeah. we got this. Um, but yeah, so Elon got uh, into electronics and that was kind of the segue. It was like Radiohead into nine inch nails that kind of sued the whole electronic thing. And while he was, on his first tour with Nine Inch Nails was him picking Trent's brain and like, hey, what yeah. sense should I get? And yeah, for sure. When Elon dives into something, he goes yeah. deep. Like <laughs> he is an obsessive human being. Yeah, yeah. So it's like he took a deep dive into synthesis and yeah, where cool. he's like, he'll pull up a synth and make his own sounds. Whereas I'm more of a, you know, I'll start scrolling through presets until I hear something that's close to what I want to hear. And then I'll start tweaking yeah. with, with like the parameters. Funny. That... I, I have a, a video where I actually dubbed over the intro to diary to the opening scene of the social network. And like it fits so great. And that was obviously Trent Reznor and Alex Strauss who did that score. And I'm like, man, this, when, when Elon kind of redid some of those songs and the uh, stomping the Phantom Break pedal and, and all that stuff, I'm like, man, this is pretty, pretty heavy Nine Inch Nails uh, similarities here, which is awesome. Yeah. So I was uh, well, automatically excited for him to come on board. Trent is incredible with sense. He's got 
incredible taste. I mean, even just listening to the new Halsey record. Oh yeah, that he produced. Yeah, I saw you. I haven't heard it yet. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm just like, yeah. I'm listening to Halsey. Right, right. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think it's really good, and yeah. um, I I really do feel like I think he's got great taste when it comes to those things. So when Elon joined Angels and Airwaves, you know, Tom had a bunch of different synths and whatnot. But mm-hmm. I mean, the one synth that he would keep going back is his Roland Phantom, which is like. It's kind of a workstation, so it's got like strings and trumpets and yeah. like just pretty generic <laughs> um, sounds. So I think that's been a big difference between um, when we started working with Tom yeah. to previously is that we were like. Uh, we're not going to sit there and scroll through a roll on synth and sure. where you can literally yeah. like play a sound and be like, Oh my God, that's the sound from Alpha Bills <laughs> forever young. Oh my God. That's the sound from, you know, this or sure. so it's yeah, like, so let's take a little the, bit more ownership. Yeah. Yeah. So even the next song to you, so hopping into no more guns, um, a, a pretty big change now from, from Spellbound that kind of picks it back up, picks, picks the tempo back up. Um, and I know you kind of said a lot of it wasn't like, Hey, let's make a song like this or that. But I think a lot of people definitely hear kind of that, that Brit punk sound on this, whether it's, uh, the Ramones or something like that with kind of the, um, that guitar tone and, and the drums are, are a little more garage, garage bandy than, uh, some of the other songs was, was that something another thing where Tom said, Hey, I want this sound. Um, can you guys make that happen or can we get close to that? That song happened. Tom came in one day and he's like, I want to write a song like the who's your generation. Mm. I mean, my generation, the working title for the song was your generation. Oh, nice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And so we, um, he kind of came up with this riff and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And the riff is actually not in the song. Oh, really? Like did not make it, but Funny. everything else. So this, this song was hard to hone in the vibe and make it right and make it special and make it interesting and not just make it like, here's a song. Yeah. So when he had the riff that he came into it, I, I was driving home and I was like, this doesn't sound like the who it sounds like the monkeys mm, and it was yeah. um last train to Car- clarksville i sent it to tom i'm like this is what the song reminds me of it's like yeah. dude that's so bow, cool bow, bow, bow. Yeah, yeah 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 and i was just like he's like dude that's so cool i'm like yeah but you wanted to go for this and we're ending up here yeah. and i was like i don't want to just keep going with this. Oh, and as we were writing it, you know, we we're it was always like your uh ne- my generation the who. But then we were like also Iggy Pop's Lust for Life. But like how many bands have done Sure. like Let's Do Lust for Life, you know, like boom jump on entire boom, Green Day albums of that, right? Right. Well, and not only that, you then run into like Jet had the Are You Gonna oh, Be yeah. My Girl. Uh-huh. So I was like, okay, how 
are we going to make this feel different and good? And this one took the most amount of massaging to like, Mm. we're at, this one was one of the few songs where I was like, we're not working on the song until the three of us are in a room together. Just too, too hard to come at it. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than like rock and roll being done wrong. Sure. It, it could sound so cheap and so hokey. Right. And yeah. I'm like, this song shouldn't sound good. It should just sound like cheap and gritty and mm-hmm. it should have an attitude to it. And when Tom started singing his ideas for the verses, I was referencing like, like pub music, like British yeah, pub that's music. Like, it kind of sounds like a give, give it, It's got, it's got to have like some snotty, like uh-huh. fuck you kind of like right. mentality. Like, yeah. Fuck off in like that yeah, yeah. kind of like whole vibe. And we finally got it to a point where it felt, Right. It had a swing. It didn't feel like any of these other songs. Yeah. And um, I think it ended up in a good place. And then Tom came in with the lyrics. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a little bit of a another bit of like, are people going to understand that you're being sarcastic? Right. I was going to say, it's just, it's kind of a sarcastic take against gun violence. Um, yeah. I'm like, do you... Is it a cool thing to be sarcastic about something that's, you know, in a weird way, it's a epidemic in this country. Right. Yeah. And it's such a dark topic. It's mm-hmm. something that's so polarizing where people's like, oh, we should have guns. And it's just like, do you really need an AR-15? Like, right, right, right. I mean, um, I mean, you can you can have your own political views as to, you know, sure. why and what, but... Sometimes people don't understand sarcasm. Right. Yeah. I was, that was one of my questions. Like, you know, it's clearly from almost the point of view of a, a gun happy person, right? Like, yeah. Hey, let's go have fun and all this stuff. But um, do you think that song happens uh, if it weren't for the pandemic to kind of let that side of, of our country breathe a little bit? Um uh, I'm just wondering if if you if it weren't for the pandemic and time to kind of think about different topics and maybe we should attack uh, or touch on some topics that are important for people. Do you think that song even happens still? No. No. I, I, no. No. It w- it, I'm saying it would have happened. No, it would still happen. Sounds okay. a pandemic because if if you really want to think about it with everybody being home and the schools being shut down, like you didn't really have any like mass shootings during the pandemic. Yeah. yeah. So my answer to that is no. Like if, if one thing good happened out of the pandemic is that there weren't school shootings. Yeah. I calmed down a little bit and and stuff like that. So I I don't think that that had anything to do with it, but I think there was definitely some things where like Tom's maybe wanted to, talk about certain things sure but and the vibe of the song definitely wasn't there right yeah it has nothing to do with the topic really right so 
I think this song kind of had a little bit more of that, like, okay, this might be that song where we can sit there and, you know, mouth off. But he did it in a um, very sarcastic way, which is just like, all right, well, let's just close our eyes and jump and see what happens. People people pick up on that. Yeah. Um, But so far, so good. I haven't heard anything. Yeah, no. I haven't either. Promoting yeah, I think this people, and that. I think most people like, got that from from the people I've talked to anyway. Well, thank um, God, because I can't yeah. give people the benefit of the doubt a lot of the time. Yeah, if anything, it was like, oh, why, why get into politics? But then, you know, it's if people know Tom and, and know his history, they can't possibly be shocked. But there's anyway, always uh, there's always been an element of sure yeah of that's why politics and rebellion in Tom's lyrics. There's always sure. been something. Now has it gotten like super literal? No, but you know this is something you can get behind. I mean, he's got yeah. kids. He's got kids in high school, and as a parent, like. You're sitting there going like, "What's going on?" Like the right. worst that we would do is like, light a fight a firecracker or something yeah. like, and pull the pull the fire alarm. Yeah, it'd be like weird. It's like people are showing up. Like people are that butt hurt that they show up to school with like guns and just start shooting right. like randomly. It's like, yeah. Um. So uh, getting in, yeah, <laughs> getting into uh, losing my mind, which also also kind of touches on that topic, but um. I think, you know, this one perhaps will be best known for the music video. I think when that came out, it, it kind of brought that song to another level with the whole um, disco character and all that. So, uh, but outside of that, you know, my first reaction to that song is what it must have been like to be in the room when you guys were like recording that, especially just that first verse. And I'm curious if you guys kind of looked at each other at any point and be like, are we seriously doing this? And like this, this is going to sound awesome. I, I think it sounds great, but I, I would imagine there was at some point kind of like a, wow, this is, this is different. It's almost kind of that talking tone and um, you know, it's a dance, it's a dance song, you know, and the yeah. chorus, the chorus or the, yeah, the chorus still has that kind of angels vibe for sure. Uh, but I imagine at some point there was kind of like a, all right, we're doing this or, or or not so much. So this is how on the nose we are mm-hmm. when, because I have to be so blatantly on the nose to remember what song is what when we're working. So I'll yeah. put these titles. And so the name of this song was Dis Co, like Dis Company. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it started off kind of like with the bass line. Yeah. Tom kind of brought, it, brought in a little bit of that bass line. And then I was like, we tweaked it to a point where it's like, oh, what if we did this? this? So we changed mm-hmm. it. And then he's like, yeah, I kind of want like a disco beat under it, like just something that's <laughs> dancey and, and whatnot. Yeah. So the first version of that um, started off with the drums being like, like oh, yeah. traditional like yeah. that whole like thing and um then he wanted like we had this different uh pre-chorus that he wanted to be kind of like 
somewhere between Motown and Uptown Funk. Oh, and yeah. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And so that was always like, uh, and then the chorus was a super went straight into like an angels and airwaves, Tom DeLong like right. chord progression. Yeah. And I was just like, it's a lot. It's not. <laughs> so he's like, just follow me down the rabbit hole. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. So then he played a synth line. That was like the the main synth line that goes down, ba da da boom, down. And so at that point, he's like, I gotta go. I'm like, okay, cool. And I took that, left that one synth line in, and then completely took everything else out, and then added the da boom down boom. Yeah. Yeah. And then it wasn't even until the um, we start we recorded the drums that I was telling Alon like I have a few ideas for the song so follow me down this rabbit hole <laughs> and just <laughs> now do he's the exact sense yeah, yeah I'm like just do like dum bum dum dum bum 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 dum just like follow that yeah. melody more and let's accent on those things. And then we ended up changing the guitars to feel, to follow those drums. And then Mm -hmm. I think that's when the chorus kind of like came together. Um, But I skipped over the whole part. So we had a completely different verse. Yeah. And Tom came in and he's like, I think I want to take the drums out and put like, do like some sort of like cool sounding loop. And then do something that's more like, and he started singing the, uh, 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 yeah, uh, yeah. uh, 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 and I was like, huh? <laughs> and he was just like, he's like, just do a loop. I got to do a phone call. Mm-hmm. And so I just started getting like all weird and, and the wood, loop, wood block sound. Yeah. Like all the, that whole loop did not change from that day on. Funny. Like it was like boom, doo, doo, boom, 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 yeah, all those things, and he did the vocal, and I was like, okay, this is interesting. Let's double it and make it like super, super, super tight. And what I want to do is I want to move one vocal all the way to the left, and your other double all the way to the right. So it's just this yeah. super stereo thing, and then. He actually came up with the harmonies for this one. Mm. And then I had Elon kind of take it from there, which is super hard because at that point I have, and it's so in your face that I have to have Elon be like right on yeah. Tom's yeah. timing and Tom's pronunciation because you want it to just sound like it's one sure. thing. And it just kind of worked. And Ilan actually came back when he sent back the song with the, all the different percussion that's in the, um, in the pre-chorus that's uh did it, did it, did And I was like, just like, yeah, a little bit of a Michael Jackson vibe. Cause I'm like, yeah. don't worry about it. I just thought it was funny. I'm like, no, that's actually really cool. 
Yeah. Um, so the second verse was then supposed to be, or what's actually verse three after the first chorus mm-hmm. it stops with the 808. Um, that song was going back into the, the mellow vibe, but it just didn't feel right. So yeah. that's, that's something that was worked on and worked on and worked on. And I think we ended up in a, a cool place. Yeah. Um, so now the whole song kind of, uh, yeah, it felt like going back to the whole mellow thing after the big chorus that just kind of had this mm-hmm. like John Hughes movie feel. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, yeah, the, a, a breakfast club kind of the, like the fist in the area. <laughs> exactly. Going back to something, I was like, okay, so we put the loop in. I'm like, it'd be interesting if Elon kind of played drums around the loop. Um, now that the drums were in and introduced, um, and the lyrics for that one was for that verse were probably rewritten a couple times. Yeah. And what I thought was really cool about the song is this song wouldn't have happened without the pandemic lyrically. Sure. And yeah, it's kind of a reflection on what the yeah, I'm like, right I'm like, I'm like, there's what a crazy time to be alive. Like, yeah, for sure. This is insane. Like there's this pandemic happening. Like mm-hmm. politics is so at the forefront of our mm-hmm. culture. Like it's become this, thing that's just constantly right. in your face it's like a tv show or like everybody's yeah. talking about it and it's so polarizing it's surreal so, you, if you explain what was happening to someone 10 years ago they'd be like get out of here no way yeah yeah and, so that baseline though is that did you write that in the that intro or was well, that, that long or no that that started off with the dun 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 was yeah. tom and then okay. the dun 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 yeah and then that was me Okay, I got so, you. So, so those two things were 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 kind of just like. Did Matt record all the bass for this album, or Matt recorded all the bass? Um, Did he write any of it? He wrote some stuff. Elon, the the bass on the the record because we're moving so quick um, is um, either me or Elon, sure. usually. Yeah, and. I'll oh. sometimes just lay down like a, a basic version of it. And then Elon kind of gets in there and starts putting all yeah. these little fills. And then when we came, when it came time to recording, then that was an opportunity for me to work with Matt, which is like the first time we actually worked together in the mm. studio. Yeah. And I'd be like, you know, Hey, try this. Or there's stuff where he's like, dude, that little bass fill. We're going to totally, totally keep like, I think Elon. Yeah. Like, yeah. They geek He's off so much, I guess. Yeah, players, for sure. like, like that's so tasty. Like I need to keep it. But uh, Matt yeah. did bring a lot of his own cool. um, things to the record. Or oh, I'd cool. I'd be hearing something a certain way, and then he'd be we'd be going back and forth, yeah, and whatnot. So, um, but yeah, he ended up playing it. Um, so going to automatic, um, you know, on, on this one, pretty much from that first note, um, we kind of hear that pure guitar tone right off the mm-hmm. bat. I think everyone associates it with that right away. Um, I'm assuming, you know, Tom kind of wanted a song with, with that sound and 
given the fact that he's such a fan and, and that band is so like near and dear to his heart, does that kind of put any added pressure on you to get that right? I mean, is that one of his songs that he's like, I really want to kind of like how you said, we, you don't want to screw up a rock song. I imagine for Tom, he, he doesn't want to screw up a, a cure sounding song. Does that kind of put some pressure on you at all to get that one right for sure? Well, so this song was probably the quickest song that was written on the record. Yeah. It just like, it was like, Boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. Send it to Elon, got it back, and didn't change. It was just like wow. done. Like it was, it was quick. And so the seed for this song was um, Tom came in and was like, I want to write a song that kind of has like the vibe like Melt With You. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. So he starts, he's like, I just wanted to be like, acoustic guitars and like the drums and just kind of have like that melt with you kind of vibe. Uh And I started feeling like it was sounding too much in that world. Mm. So he then added the, the synth um, in the beginning, that's kind of like synth pad. And then that completely triggered the cure. Uh huh. And then I was listening. I'm like, okay, now it kind of like has a cure vibe. Like, is it too cure? Mm-hmm. And so I was like, what if we did more of like a new order type, you know, line and sound. And, and that's where the guitar riff kind of came, yeah, came in. And so it becomes this hodgepodge of like, where your where your influences on your sleeve, but don't mm-hmm. copy. Like try to like right. pay homage, but in trying to do something new. Right. Don't just rip it off, but respect yeah. that. Yeah, this is yeah. An like influence of no, mine. nobody wants Tom DeLonge to rewrite "Melt with You." Sure. You know, yeah. it's like if you want to cover it, go for it. Yeah. But. They don't want to hear um, like that. But a lot of the time my job is like, how do we take something that's coming from here and make it into something completely different right. and fresh and new? And I think we landed on it. Yeah, like, yeah, it it definitely pays homage to those bands, but it's at the same time, it's not too far off from something like Everything's Magic. Yeah, it's still distinctly angels. Like, yeah, you could play that, and be like, yeah, that belongs on, on their, you know, catalog. It's not like, whoa, what is that that <laughs> they just yeah. tried? <laughs> exactly. Um, so, speaking of that, like the, I think that was probably one of the most popular songs that the, the overall fan base was just really excited for and and really got behind. Like, there wasn't any kind of. I think it's good. I think it's okay. Like it was pretty much consensus, an awesome song. Is there a reason you guys kind of put that out last or later um, rather than obviously not like when Rebel Girl was out, cause it probably wasn't even created then. But once you guys had all the songs, um, what was the reasoning behind kind of keeping that almost last or towards the end? There was no reason to keep it. Okay to the end, like, Ooh, we got this ace in the hole or anything. 
one mm-hmm. of the one of the craziest things is like we got to pick a single right yeah because i come from the school of we'd have to try to make every song the best song it could possibly be mm-hmm. i want to be able to make any song that we put on a record be a single now what determines what a single is honestly it's other people hearing your music and saying like ooh that's a great song yeah now who's listening to your record and telling you like oh that's a great song cuz you can't put it out and say like hey public right. what do you what do you yeah, think yeah 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 so it's going to be like radio guys you know yeah. or unless somebody's like completely stoked on Time Bomb's going to be like the one. Yeah. You know? And Tom wanted Time Bomb to kind of come out first, but then it was like, no, nope, label really, really, really likes Euphoria. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, I, personally, I don't care what songs they put out. Sure. So the whole process of pick, picking out like what songs were coming out were basically on like, what songs were we most excited for people to hear like yeah. first? You know, what songs are going to be special? And then at the same time, if your album's coming out in September and the first song you put out is in late April, are you going to go with, like, the song you think is, like, the most exciting, like, right away? Like It's going to be kind of watered down by the time the album comes out. I knew, uh, the, I, I knew that losing my mind and I, st- I, th- I think losing my mind is my favorite song from the record. I yeah. think I've come to that determination. I just think it's the most unique. I think it doesn't sound like anything else. I think it's a song that challenges the listener because it, yeah. it's so different. And I just knew that when that song came out, like it was either people are going to absolutely love it or they're going to fucking hate it. And a lot of people, I think when they first heard the song, I was like, what is this? Like, this is so whack, blah, 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 blah. And then <laughs> three days later, people are like, actually, this song's really good. Yeah. This song actually slaps, you know? <laughs> I yeah. think the video helped too. Cause everyone was like, what is this? And it was so, it was kind of that classic Tom humor. And yeah. with that song, it's it's just a fun song. And the video definitely, you know, paired well with, with just a fun-natured song about some pretty, like, gnarly stuff that's going on. But uh, it definitely works. Yeah. Um, I, absolutely. And so, so yeah. it's one of those things, like, it's not really planned. Like, sure. I, like all, I, I do like all the songs. But I think what works is for singles if i'm going at it from a purely like music industry standpoint is how does it match up with the songs that are on current radio's playlists because that's what's going to determine like whether a song gets played or not people don't like radio people don't like to take chances and especially not during the pandemic they're just like we got to play whatever we can to keep um listeners engaged so that our advertisers don't bail on us and it's like yeah, so in the whole the whole method of uh, cranking out, you know, seven singles basically before the album comes out is is that just a, a um, 
something that comes of streaming these days. I mean, people aren't digesting albums like they used to. Is is that a, a side product of the industry being on the streaming rec or streaming services where yeah, you, you crank out seven out of your ten songs as singles to kind of let them breathe and let their let them have their own moments to get those streams and everything. Or yeah. is that it's an unfortunate thing because because playlisting has become and right. mind you, I have two sides of my brain. I have like the manager side, which I no longer do because <laughs> I was just, yeah. I'm, I just I've about had it with the industry mentality. Uh-huh. Um, and there's a artist side of, uh, of it, but we're in a world now where playlisting is somewhat like the new radio and. Mm-hmm. The streaming services like stuff that's brand new. Hey, we got something that's brand new. So if I were to put out an album today, they will pick one song and that'll be on the playlist. And if I try to go put out another song from that record, from the same record, it's now Mm -hmm. no longer new. It's out. Yeah. So yeah. you don't get as much quote unquote playlisting love. Sure. You know, now did we have to do it seven times? I don't know. I mean, probably yeah. could have put four songs out and, and whatnot, but we just live in a world where people consume things and they consume it so fast. And if you put out right. one song, like people yeah. want more. So it's like, yeah. And especially sure. with this fan base, it's just like, it's mm-hmm. like they, they want, come on just put out the record now and it's like right. no you don't understand like we have to come out with the right artwork of which the packaging is absolutely amazing and yeah well i have nothing to do with tour it right now and you know that we was an, the album and there's exactly. a film that's coming and all that stuff so exactly um, so jumping in uh to restless souls here mm-hmm. um so i read i think it was tom who said it that it's kind of uh, a response to the boxcar song letters to god and then it's kind of a, a a message from god whatever that is kind of back to humanity on uh, kind of the reverse side of things um but it kind of it, it seems to be right up right up the alley of kind of a true angel song in kind of from that hope and love perspective um and I think you may have even mentioned it was kind of a throwback to the love era at some point. Um, do you use it was? It like, was not. It was not necessarily a throwback to the love era. And what's really weird and really funny is that, and this is not to toot my own horn or anything, but yeah. I actually wrote the vocal melody for the chorus. It was just something that I kept on hearing over and over and over. Yeah. And it's funny when they're just like, oh, just Tom keeps on repeating himself and this and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't even like hearkening back to um, Angels and Airwaves at all. I just kept on hearing this, like the, the chords kept on bringing me this um, Madonna song. Mm. Um. I'm crazy for you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And if you listen to the chorus of that, you'll kind of hear a similarity in Funny. the melody. I'll go back and check that out. You'll hear a little bit of, and I'm giving away a weird secret, but it's like, that's what kind of happens is that yeah. you're listening to an instrumental of a song. You're just kind of like humming along and melodies come into your head. And like that just yeah. stuck in my head. Like, I was like, I think this is a, a chorus. And it's just like, then people are like, oh, it sounds like this angel song and that angel song. I'm like, sure. why? Because we're emphasizing the bum, 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 yeah. bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Like, it's mm-hmm. like, melodically, it doesn't sound like anything. It's not until you get to that, we only did it, 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 that you start getting a melody. Sure. And, um, but no, it wasn't intentional. The only thing that I thought kind of felt like a nod to, to angels was in the verses. There's like this, like, kabasa sound that kind of sounds mm. like the hand claps from everything's uh-huh. magic yeah yeah so kind of discussing that part too I, I know this is kind of a question that a lot of people ask or, or discuss kind of within the fandom but how would you describe kenny the difference between your producing with elon and in that sort of process versus what you know about how it was with like critter when he was when he was producing and what what is the kind of big difference between maybe how you guys attack a song i don't know much about tom's process with critter like it's not something that we ever like replicated or he's not trying to do that again no i think so when Elon first joined the band, we um, love two had just been done, so there was no musical mm-hmm. fingerprint for Elon. Even though Tom was like wanted Elon in the band because he was a songwriter, right? Yeah, and he was looking forward to all right. Let's this is going to be interesting. Like. You know, because before then, it's like Tom pretty much did everything, you know, and it'd be like, you know, that's that. Um, So I don't know. So we ended up doing, so I told Elon, I'm like, we should, just so you can kind of say, like, introduce yourself to the fan base. Like, it'd be interesting Mm -hmm. if you did a remix of one of the songs and, you know, they can put it out for free and whatnot. And I think the first remix that we did was for surrender or anxiety Mm. and tom was just like oh my god this is amazing like yeah you should do this for all the songs and we'll call it like love reimagined and this and that yeah and um we were like okay and he's like and then he asked like who like who did this like who'd you record it with like do you just do it all on your own he's like no my brother engineered and yeah. kind of like work together on that thing. He's like, he's like, fuck, it just sounds so cool <laughs> and like so different. Like, I think it'd mm-hmm. be like a great addition. Like maybe like he should, you know, engineer a few of the songs on the next record. And then that way there's like a little bit of a new thing. Yeah. Like, he's like, you know, Critter do like most of the record and then like Aaron can do a, a few songs and mm-hmm. we'll just have something different. And then unfortunately you know, a month 
a month and a half later, Critter passed away. And yeah. so Tom called Elon was like, Hey, do you know any guys in San Diego that could handle being like an engineer and yeah. work with the band? And Elon's like, honestly, Aaron, like yeah. that's your, that's your dude. And nice. that's kind of like when Tom and I started talking and I think Tom knew that Elon's musical style was completely different to his. And that's when me and Tom started bonding because I, I musically am the bridge between Tom and Elon. Yeah. Like I come from, you know, I grew up watching MTV, like literally from the cradle to, mm -hmm. and this is yeah. when MTV was like good and Actual real. Videos. And, played, yeah. like, and I would just sit there and listen and listen. And you'd have all these like cool and diverse bands. So I was aware of that. And then obviously going into middle school and high school and all that stuff is when like the whole like new school punk started kind of happening. You had your lag, wag your lag wagons, no effects, uh -huh. like descendants, like epitaph records became like epitaph. Right. And, and then that started getting me into, you know, going to go see those shows, which is when I heard Blink and I was like, man, mm. they're so shitty. They're so bad. <laughs> but but, but they, al they always yeah. had like the best looking girls at their shows. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then, you know, Dude Ranch came out and I was like, all right, getting better. And then Enema came out. It's like, oh, all right. They're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're growing. And then, um, so me and Tom musically are very, very, very compatible. And like, he knows I, I'm, I, I translate for Elon mm -hmm. to Tom and I translate from Tom to Elon. Sure. <laughs> and it's just yeah. kind of like that, that, that bridge. But yeah. I mean, my, my approach, my approach to producing or mixing or whatever I do is do not get try to make the best version of what the artist is coming to you with. Yeah. I'm not going to sit there and put my fingerprint and I don't really think I have a fingerprint because if you listen sure. to my production between angels and airwaves and the new regime with the lawn stuff, it's like completely, totally. completely different. Yeah. And it's just like, how do I make the artist's vision come to yeah. fruition? And sure. I just have like, simple rules. I, you know, I am an artist in a sense. I just mm -hmm. never been the guy who had my own band, wrote yeah. my own songs, sung my own songs, but I was definitely the guy who would help push songs along Sure, for other yeah. people. And I think that's where me and Tom really clicked because I was able to offer him a different perspective and Elon was able to bring in a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And now we kind of have three cooks in the kitchen, which in the beginning was just like, how do we do this? Because, mm -hmm. you know, Tom wanted Elon to like, Hey, write some songs and bring them to me. But then it was just yeah. like, Tom's like, I don't understand any of your songs. <laughs> Not because the songs were complex or anything, Yeah, but it's just Tom's Not where he's used coming to from. hearing. So Tom would bring a song and then Elon would completely take it apart and put it back together with different chords and this and that. And mm -hmm. Tom would be like, Ooh, that's cool. So that's kind of how yeah. we stumbled upon okay. that. Yeah. So how we work. Uh, yeah.
I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. So it does. what, yeah, what the process you. is. Yeah, no, very cool. Um, so moving along to the next track, uh, Rebel Girl. And I mean, this thing feels like it was released forever ago, right? It's been, mm-hmm. been a very long time. Uh, but one of the things about this one that really stuck out to me is, is how it felt live. So I went to a couple shows on that fall tour and I feel like live, the song just hits way harder and it, it just really works well, um, on stage. And I was just curious if when you guys are recording, do you have that in mind at all? Like a, a presence of a live performance or is it strictly to geared towards the, the listening experience at home? I come from the school of thought that music on a record is one interpretation of the song and music Mm -hmm. live can be reinterpreted a little bit different because you have a lot more leeway with a record in terms of like getting the exact right song. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times what you're going to run into with, with live performances is that it's going to be a little bit more raw and a little bit rougher around Mm -hmm. the edges. So no, we weren't thinking about, Oh, how's this song going to come out live? It was like, how's this song going to sound on the record? And are we like checking off the boxes of where we want it to be and what we want it to sound like? And there's a vibe coming across this and that. Um, Sure. Then the band starts rehearsing, and it's like, "All right, let's." This one's good. Let's, get, let, let's yeah. go. Let's <laughs> go for it, and let's see how it feels. And to be honest, like I was just kind of like, "Yeah, it sounds cool," you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of times where songs will be sped up for live because there is that mm-hmm. adrenaline when you're at a show, and it's like, mm-hmm. "All right, let's bump this one up like five BPM or whatever." And yeah, it'll give it a little bit of a different feel, but you want you want that. I mean, you you know, it's a different energy sure. when you're listening to a record in your car driving. And you're all like kind of mellow mm-hmm. and whatnot, and it's a different energy when you're a bunch of sweaty people around you, and yeah. maybe you had a few drinks in you, and like yeah. you're just having a great time. Like, yeah, I definitely thought that one was probably the most radio friendly as well. It sounded to me like it could be, you know, a, a top forty hit out of the songs on the record, I, I figured that one was probably the most radio friendly. Do you agree on that or other others that you'd put out in, in front of that? I, I think it would, it's radio friendly in the sense that it, it's akin to a eighties pop song. Yeah. You know, like it's maybe it would have been now. a massive yeah. hit in 1985. <laughs> These days it's like, yeah. who knows? It's like, sure. The, the stuff I'm hearing on the radio these days is like literally like taking back How Sunday with, with a trap beat or like right. yeah, a yeah, blink yeah. song with a trap beat behind it. And it's like, uh-huh. whoa, like this is like cr- insane to me. Yeah, I would have never, I would have never thought that that was something that like what would be happening right now. But yeah. like I said, every song you work on, like I try to, it could, I want it to be like if people hear that song and they gravitate towards it, that it's ready to be a single if it's called mm-hmm. upon to be a single. Yeah. Um, cool. 
That's yeah. it. And I could say so, that for no more guns as well, even though it's great. Yeah. It's got a vibe, you know, sure. it's like, yep. even so, though to me, that's like the least quote unquote produced or whatever, but it's yeah. not a song that's like off putting in, in a way, like it's crafted no. well. It's, yeah. got it's a fun song, good, good yep. arrangement. And it takes you on a little bit of a journey. It's a little bit of a left yeah. turn. Yeah. So, so speaking of a vibe, uh, fire in a nameless town, I think, um, is, you know, it was pretty moody right off the bat. Mm -hmm. It's obviously a, a different mood. And when I listen to that song, the verses almost give me like a really strong visual as a listener. Um, you could almost see it in a almost picture like a, a movie or a film with that kind of playing in the background or something. Um, if there is one song on this album that could fit the tone uh, or the vibe of what that Monsters of California score is without giving too much away, what what would it be? I would think it's this one. It almost kind of sounds like a Stranger Things or Monsters of California type vibe. Um, would you agree that this song, if anything, would, would fit with what that score is going to sound like? Nope. No. Okay. <laughs> you guys are going to be shocked by the score. Interesting. Because the score is very orchestral. Interesting. It's, okay. It's very orchestral or very electronic. Mm -hmm. um, but we haven't finished Not. it yet. So I, I, I don't know where that okay. score is going to, I know the stuff we've been like, Tom's like completely pushed me. Cause he'll be like, we, at the beginning, like I wasn't even, I, I was just on to like produce engineer and mix the score mm -hmm. you know and yeah. then tom walks in he's like all right um so for this first scene i'm kind of thinking like this and he plays me this like version of like something from jurassic park and i'm like wait <laughs> what yeah like he's like yeah i just want like the cellos and like this and that and like the and i was like dude that's out of my wheelhouse Funny. he's like i'm like Maybe like that, we should say that for more of like Elon because Elon can do anything and he took it yeah, yeah, yeah. into orchestration and scoring and all that stuff. But Tom's impatient. He's like, Yeah, he's like, he's like, dude, you can do it, just figure it out. <laughs> and I'm just like, well, Now, now I'm okay. even more excited to hear this. Yeah, I that, think it, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a pleasant surprise, but. I will say that the movie feels real. Okay. Like it feels cool. like a movie that you'd watch and you'd be like, you, you wouldn't know that Tom made it unless you knew that Tom made it. Okay. Cool. I mean, you will definitely see like his humor in it. Sure. Right. But it feels like a very like, uh, Amblin, type of like yeah. 80s it's even like love i mean that film yeah i don't even know tom right so it's I like i guess like i don't I, that's like i said that had just come out when he landed join and when yeah, yeah, yeah. moving i'm like sure what is so this on it's like the vo the uh that layering of the of the vocals on a fire in a fire of name is town is super prominent i know you do it throughout the album but on that one is almost kind of the focal point at some points of that song mm -hmm. is that just a massive layering on your part to get that sound? Yes. But not on my part. I didn't 
do any vocals on there. Um, well, I mean, like as a producer, you you're taking that that one till the very end. We were never sure about the chorus. Okay. And what's actually there as the chorus was supposed to just be, to me, always felt like background vocals. Mm, yeah. And so it wasn't until the very end where I took what was like the lead vocal track, if you will. Mm -hmm. And I muted all of the background vocals and I turned that lead vocal into a lead vocal. And then, because it's actually when we layered all the vocals, they were literally the entire, they were following the lead vocal the entire time. So it was literally oh, like wow. you walk, come in and it's like, boom, like you have this yeah, stack of like, sure. you know, 16 voices coming at you for uh -huh. the chorus. And then I was listening to um, Peter Gabriel's nice. So a lot during that time. Uh -huh. And I kind of was feeling that somewhat of that vibe yeah you know sure. and so in your eyes is one of my favorite songs of mm -hmm. all times and it was also like kind of like okay how are we how is that such a great chorus but it kind of had that play between the back background vocals and yeah and the lead vocal and it kind of like mm -hmm. blended into this one thing and I think that's that's when I started chopping things up so that the interplay worked. Sure. And I was like, okay, I think we're in a great place. And it's really funny because yeah. you go from something that's like very Depeche mode in the verses. It's actually very mm. dark, I think, for for Tom. Yeah. And kind of eerie an eeriness yeah. to it. And I was like. Anytime we get into anything that's dark, I'm just like, yes, let's go there. Yeah. Anytime like anything too. sounds like way too happy, I'm just like, uh huh. Like, I, I always yeah. like doing like, if something feels dark, I want to add some like poppiness to it. And if something feels mm -hmm. poppy, I want to add darkness to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, that's always so, like, can I bring it back? Yeah. I don't want to make things too rich in sure. either direction. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of felt good going into a chorus. Like that was a little bit more upbeat and and yeah, it just felt right. And yeah, that was great. one that was great one song. of the songs where we didn't have any bass at mm. all. And then I worked with with Matt to like come up with like like putting a little bit of that vibe yeah, um, yeah, in yeah. your eyes, like bass wise. And I think that yeah kind of started giving it that that feel. Super cool. Um, so last last song got there, uh, Kiss and Tell. Uh, similar kind of the first track, the, the question I asked, the closer seems to be equally important. And I think when the track listing came out, a lot of the fans were surprised to see Kiss and Tell as the album's closer. Was that uh, always the case or was that also like the opener kind of a point of contention amongst you to how are we going to end this um, and kind of like I said, what, what I had, that? I had, that was never supposed to be a closer. Okay. Like we didn't, sequencing was the absolute last thing that happened. And 
like I said, it was just something Tom like. This is I mean, what feels on go, I guess, right? <laughs> I, yeah, which in so, the end, you're just kind of like, go. I guess that All makes right, sense. cool. Yeah, like, right. But I never. You see, you mentioned that, and that's like I didn't even ever think about that. Yeah, I thought like maybe, but that almost felt like too obvious. No, I but, was like, uh, right now that you bring it up, I'm like, oh, that's actually kind of a cool way to, um, yeah, end the record on just one voice, you know. Yeah, I noticed on that one live as well, Matt sings um, on that one. Mm-hmm. Did he sing on the record at all, or was, is that just something he does live? No, that's he'll sing when you need it. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like. Because I, I feel like, like he didn't sing in like. No, he didn't sing on past, the record. No, or but. Or like I, his past bands either, right? Uh, I, I, I'm not sure, to be honest. Okay. And it's so weird because I was on a tour oh, with him. Well, Tiggy Max, and I had the two singers already. So yeah, I just so, don't think he ever sang on that. But yeah, so there you go. Well, there you bring up a great point. <laughs> I think, I, yeah, he just, he can do what he's doing, which is great. Yeah, he's a great musician. Yeah. So that's, that's positive and it works. So yeah. I think, I think it's just a matter of like, there's times where Elon's like, I, I don't want to be singing during this part. Mm-hmm. So you take okay. it if gotcha. you can do it. And kind of when repetitive. the three, yeah, if the three of them can sit there and sing, it's like, you know, you yeah. want to try to like honor the song live as much as you can. Sure. Even though it had, you know, you're, you're going with a little bit more rough around the edges, you yeah. know, vibe and whatnot. Um, cool. So you try to do as much as you can. And then there gets a point where there's just not enough people to replicate it. And <laughs> You know, that doesn't get yeah, done. Right. So that kind of brings us to the end of the, the song list anyway. But I did just have a few quick questions overall, uh, maybe some kind of like uh, more rapid fire questions. But it, can you confirm if any, I, I mean, I assume songs didn't make the cut. Um, we kind of heard some drum tracks on online here and there that we can't really place to a certain song. Um, is are some of those something we might see in a deluxe version or can you confirm or deny that? <laughs> I don't know what will end up on a deluxe version, even though they're very well, maybe. And Tom's talked about maybe putting some of the stuff from the score right. on the deluxe too. version. Yep. Um, towards the end of the record, we ended up recording t- two more songs. Um, okay. That was actually being done while uh, the album was being mixed, mm. but I, we weren't like we didn't want to like just push them along to put them on the record. Sure, if they weren't like done, I think yeah. at that point between the movie, record was pretty well baked. Well, we had we had the album, and then it's like, well, are people going to be cool with like hearing? eight new songs only because one of the songs didn't end up on the record yeah and it, and it wasn't it, it just kind of it's not that the song wasn't good it's just kind of like it just didn't step up to the rest of them sure in, in its current form um but yeah and then but in a different other, uh, in uh, a, if a, in a different package maybe yeah it, uh, you know you, you don't you don't want a song to be like a throwaway, 
You never want a song to be a throwaway. Right. Like, yeah. you know, at least I don't. Just to and, do it. Don't put it on there just to put it on there. Yeah. I, I think it'll give it its, its, it could have its own moment at some other time when sure. it's not surrounded by these other things. Yeah. And when you guys have multiple mixers, is that pretty um, collaborative in the sense like you guys are passing back and forth mixing notes or do you guys kind of own each song and then it is what it is? Because uh, I know you guys had uh, like Rich Costi and I think maybe someone else mixed yeah, a few songs Tony, on this album. So correct? originally Tony Hoffer mixed Rebel Girl and he did a great job with it. And mm-hmm. and um, he then did Kiss and Tell. And then we started working on the record and we started kind of, I started kind of hearing what the record was going to sound like. And to me, it just kind of felt like, <clears throat> I think Rich Costi would be really interesting for this record. Yeah. And so he, did, he did Boxcar, right? He did Boxcar Racer, but he's also done so many records that I absolutely love. A lot of the Muse yeah. stuff. Yeah, Muse, Mars yeah. Volta. I mean, stuff yeah. that's not even technically, you know, Angels and Airwaves-esque, but he does a lot sure. of cool stuff with like electronic stuff, like Phanagram and whatnot. So mm-hmm. I knew that, the rock songs were going to feel, you know, aggressive. And I knew that sure. even the, like he has a really cool thing. And somewhere along the line, Rich reached out to Lon to play drums on the new Frank, um, Turner, Frank Turner album. It's so mm-hmm. funny. I always get Frank Turner and Frank Carter. Okay. Like, <laughs> confused. Yeah. From gallows. Um, yeah. anyways, so, I'm Frank Turner. So that was during COVID and Rich had moved to, I think Vermont or something. It was mm, just hold okay. up in the studio out there. Like, he's like, fuck it. I'm out of LA. I'm done with it. Yeah. So he was doing things remote. And so Rich had reached out to Elon to play drums on it. And Elon's like, yeah, I'll, I'll play drums on it. He's like, cool. Um, do you have somebody that can engineer it? And I'll just be on kind of like remote. And Elon goes, I actually do. My brother. Do I ever? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So we recorded drums for the Frank Turner record. And then I was just like, by the way, you might be getting a phone call. Yeah. Saying about this. Now that I have your attention. (laughs) Yeah. And um, yeah, it was a really good experience with Rich because he's got really good taste. And the, you know, the only the only thing sometimes is that I am kind of I have to sit there and keep track and make sure that all the kids get on the bus oh, during yeah. the field trip and that's definitely when there's so many little things that come in sure. and out throughout this record yeah it's always like all right so in the second verse this has to be this or we'll have so many layers like in um losing my mind There, there's a kind of hierarchy as to what needs to be heard first. Like Mm -hmm. the guitars need to be in there to drive it. But the main thing that you hear is that synth that's like in there. And overpower certain things. Be careful of that. Yeah. So a lot of the times it was just kind of like guiding Rich into like, all right, here's the hierarchy, the synth, the guitar, this, and then, you know, the lead guitars. And there's stuff that's meant to be in there, but you'd never, definitely don't want it to be at the forefront 
Sure. I kind of just wanted to be like somewhere in the background where like you hear it and you're, you know, on your 17th right. lesson, you're like, Ooh, I never heard that. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and whatnot. So, yeah. so yeah, I, it was a really good, it was really cool. And mm-hmm. we ended up, it, one of the things that was kind of cool for this record is that with the money that Rich knew he was going to be getting for doing the boxcar racer, he ended up buying mm-hmm. this um, small Neve console. It's called, the, it's a BCM 10. Mm. So he's like, I'm pulling the BCM 10 out of nice. out of storage for um for this album. I figured it'd be like fitting, fitting since I haven't really done yeah. any work with Tom since, cool. since that record. Nice. And so it was a, it was a really good experience. I think um, he did a great, great, great job. Um, and he he did this thing where he just made the songs sound cohesive and that's tough to do with a record that's so, you know, all across the board. Um, and he just made it sound like a good version of what we have. Yeah. Right. And it was also having, sorry, one last thing. It's also having this, this person that comes in that's completely unbiased and is going to kind of be your final set of ears when it comes to um he might do something where it's like oh i didn't hear it that way but now that you do it that way yes like that's that's cool yeah it doesn't hurt especially if you can trust that person you Mm -hmm. know you know you know how good they are so anything they're gonna say is gonna help yeah so a lot of the times Um, the process with that would be i'll have a conversation with rich or send some notes he'll send we'll send mm -hmm. it back and forth between me and him and then at that point is when we start sending it out to the band okay. and whatnot. Because if if we send it out right away, I feel like it's kind of like wasting everybody's like yeah. bandwidth, yeah. Just, you know, where it's like Tom's not going to be able to hear the difference between yeah. this and that. Get it to the point where you guys are on the same page. And exactly. Then, then the let's band. tackle it. And yeah. Tom would be like, oh, I want this part to poke out or be a little bit more present. Yeah. And then we're doing minor notes at that point. Okay. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Now, final question. Um, I kind of wanted to end on this on purpose. Is you just wanted you know, to the end songs, already? Yeah. You're just like I'm done. I can't. This, this is like no. This is the best thing ever. So I appreciate it so much. Um, as these songs kind of were released, you know, it was kind of difficult to understand what the overall sound of the album was going to be because from mm-hmm. song to song, it was so different. Um, I personally think playing the album itself just from front to back is the best listening experience as opposed to catching songs out of order. Um, it kind of gives you that full ride. But if you had to explain to the listener and to the fans what the identity of this album is, what would you say for Life Forms? I think it's a record made for today with a lot of homage paid to in our, like the influences. Mm-hmm. Um, I think also for fans of Tom, I think that this record 
has the most insight into his whole career musically. You know, uh-huh. there, you know, you have songs that you wouldn't necessarily, that don't necessarily feel like Angels and Airwaves. Mm-hmm. And even like on, on, on Neighborhoods, like I felt like he was bringing too much Angels and Airwaves into Blink. You know, yeah. what, you know what I mean? Yeah, like there was like that bit of a polarizing album. For the, yeah. Like this could be, fandom. yeah, this could be an angel song. And I think right. a lot of that was, I think that song, that album was being worked on at the same time as love, you know, so right. it's like you're in a and frame of together. mind. Right. So I think we, I think it was a, I think that's what I can say what it is. I, I think that there's, sure. there's definitely a lot of different, eras of Tom in this record. I think it sounds like a modern record that sounds like sonically works today. It doesn't sound like some throwback to, right. You know, even the songs that could sound very blinkish. Mm -hmm. You don't hear him say like, Oh, it, I feel like there's a a blink vibe in there, but it's not a direct blink. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think I think that that's there, and I also think that I think Tom was really motivated to work on this record. I think mm-hmm. it it didn't feel forced. I don't think that yeah. he was thinking like we need a certain kind of single. It was just like let's just make an album, have fun, and truly well, what he wanted to put out not well yeah well sometimes else. you know there's artists always want to be artists mm-hmm. but artists who have had the success that he has also understand that you can't just put out whatever you want yeah, because yeah, yeah. you have to like have that balance between art and commerce of which i'm kind of like Screw commerce. <laughs> like, yeah. Honestly, the, the art will survive if it's. Good, I mean, we, you right? you can you can be artistic and you can make things commercial by just making it be the best it is. I'm not saying be weird for the sake of being weird, and sure. I'm not saying be poppy and like motivated by hooks and like what's happening right. out there, yeah. and or trying to capture recapture what you had on another record and stuff like that yeah so for me it's always about progressing and moving forward and what's new and what's going to separate this album from the next record yeah but i i can say that this is probably the most engaged he's been in a record and the most excited he's been to write an Mm -hmm. album um since we've been working together and i don't know if that's because we finally like found a winning formula in how we work together, like a process, like we're all comfortable with each other or it's that he kind of accomplished something with two of the stars that he wanted to accomplish. And he was like, you know what? I'm so sick of aliens right now and (laughs) Congress and this and that and blah, 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 blah. That I just want to really want to dive back into music. Just really go. I've always said like, Tom kind of already beat the music video game. Like, yeah, yeah. 
you're not so like pumped to go play Super Mario Brothers again once you like sure, finally beat sure. it. You want to like move on to the next thing. Yeah, and, new challenge. Yep. And so he kind of had that new challenge, and he kind of beat the um yeah the whole um UAP as we can say. Sure. Yeah. We don't want to be derog- we don't want to be derogatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And offend Demi Lovato by calling them aliens. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't call them aliens. No, no, no. Um, but um, he was just in a completely different place, I think, mentally, going nice. into this record. And we had a lot of fun creating it. And I think you hear that in the record. Yeah, for sure. And whereas the Dreamwalker had a little bit of a push and pull and everybody was kind of like getting used to each other, you know, as they mm-hmm. say dogs did, everybody was smelling butts. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like, yeah, what's gotta get his motivation? Yeah. And it's like, what's his motivation? Yeah. What? You know? And, sure. And yeah. yeah, I think we were just in cool. a great place. And I think we did stuff that was just kind of weird previous to this like chasing shadows and of nightmares yeah kind of got you familiar with everyone's yeah and there was no uh, focus uh, on those things that that that's the other thing that's a little bit different is that i just recently went back and listened to of nightmares and chasing shadows and like that whole era or time was a blur like mm. but i i listened back and i go wow that's some really cool stuff but i think we needed to go there and be a little bit weird and not worry about any songs going to radio or whatever. Yeah. We're just kind of like right. writing companion Put them pieces out. to books. Yeah. And that's right. truly what it was. Cool. And this time I was like, all right, we're going to go do a record. The band's going to tour. This is going to be for real. And, um, yeah. Very and cool. That's well, that. and, Sorry. I'm being it, interrupted. No, Aaron, uh, you know, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, this was, Super awesome, not just for me as as for the page and and but as a fan, it's I love talking about this stuff. Uh, it just fascinates me. So and I know everyone's going to really appreciate this. So uh, I know you're a busy guy. I really appreciate you meeting with us or meeting with me. No problem. And discussing everything. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think we'll we'll wrap up. And uh, again, for everyone out there, make sure you check out the album. Uh, it's out now, obviously streaming everywhere. I know now I'm going to stay up thinking about the score since Aaron just totally uh, reversed anything I thought about what it would be. So yeah, I think and I'll, I think I'll that's like the that. that's the worst part of it is that people always like imagine what the next steps are going to yeah. be, and then they're either yeah. like pleasantly surprised or like completely disappointed, and it's yeah. not because of anything other than what expectations they put into mm-hmm. it because oh, oh. I think that's why people get weirded out with Radiohead so much is because they want, you know, it's like the bends come out and they're like, Oh, we know what the next record's going to be. And then it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're nope. like, Oh, <laughs> and then they do okay computer and it's like kid a, and they're like, what is this crap? And then they're like, yeah, <laughs> it's genius. Very cool. But not to laugh. Yeah, for sure. Anyways, thank you All for right, having man. me. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right. Bye. Talk to you later. Bye.